Pastor Dan, and I'm about to read to you from my Midweek Encouragement blog post for March 30th, 2022. Before I begin, I just want to say that this one is a particularly important one that I hope you will take to heart. Our passage is Romans 16, verses 17 and 18. The Apostle Paul says, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them, for such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites, and by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. Romans 16, verses 17 to 18. Combating ideologies have divided our denomination into a couple of general camps. One defines Christianity as a modern expression of Jesus' love and acceptance of all persons. The other defines it as service to Christ by adhering to his precepts as revealed in the Bible. These broad generalizations will suffice for my purpose in this writing. Our denominational mission statement says we will make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Fulfillment of the mission hinges upon discipleship. If one defines discipleship as dutifully following a certain teaching or teacher, then the common root of discipline means obedience. And dictionaries uniformly support this assumption. Discipline is, by definition, a form of deprivation for the sake of a desired outcome. One reduces food intake and exercises more to achieve better physical well-being. It's a matter of discipline. Therefore, a disciple of Jesus Christ cannot change his life, family, community, region, nation, or the world without submitting to the master's disciplines. While some disciples are hard to some disciplines are hard to uphold and others are undesirable, they are still unquestionably the precepts of God. Therefore, we can acknowledge our human struggles with Christian discipleship, but those precepts remain unconditionally righteous and true. If one claims to be a Christian but does not affirm and strive for conformity with Christianity's most universal tenets, is he a Christian? If a religious organization changes Christian doctrines so that it conforms to social norms and common tastes, is it still a religious organization? There are many forms of religious organization, there are many forms of religion and organized institutions to facilitate them. But the boundaries of Christianity, like any religion or ideology, envelop its unique context. Adherents perpetuate the essential disciplines by submitting to Christian doctrinal standards. It is the reason for replication and transmission of Jesus' word, apostolic teachings, Mosaic law, prophecy, and prose that we know as the Bible. Reformation and regular regular upheaval among Christians results from the endless struggle against corruption. Historically, such course corrections are always ugly and painful, but apostolic Christianity matures and the gospel of the kingdom continues to transform lives while extending Christ's reign. Sadly, we are in such a season as the people who have gathered under the cross and flame emblem since 1967. 
The people I currently serve as their pastor enjoy vibrant Christian community that formed under the auspices of the United Methodist Church in the early 1980s. A denominationally backed process of management, polity, and doctrine served the new church well as its able pastor and charter members ordered worship and mission according to the Book of Discipline. The community witnessed a respectable brand as the fledgling Methodist Church grew and the denominational heritage lent credibility that might not exist with other religious expressions. The pastor and founding body generated a conservative culture that mirrored the predominant mood of the community. Less traditional attitudes gradually brought greater diversity of thought as the community grew, but remains largely conservative, especially regarding religion. That being said, it bears noting that local progressives rarely take part in Christian religious tradition in our town. They assume local Christians will not welcome them, and they prefer to find like-minded persons with whom to worship elsewhere. It perplexed us as our Lord's command to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Matthew 28, 19, compels us to open our doors, hearts, and minds to all people for his name's sake. How can we do so when so many self-proclaimed Christians reject the master's precepts? Unfortunately, we must do the grim task of assessing the true nature of our mission field. Jesus said, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Matthew 7, 22 to 23. I refined the denominational mission statement for use by our local church soon after my appointment here, saying, our mission is to be disciples, seek disciples, and change the world. The addition of being disciples is essential since it clarifies the prerequisite for seeking disciples. I changed making disciples, as it appears in the UMC mission statement, to seeking disciples, because I don't believe we can make disciples unless that means to indoctrinate them and receive their pledge of loyalty to our institution. The Holy Spirit creates disciples of Jesus Christ after, they repent, after repentant sinners confess their disloyalty to the Lord and gratefully accept Christ's gift of redemption. Therefore, we seek the Lord's harvest of ripening souls and then gather them to him. Finally, we too desire to transform the world, but humbly acknowledge that it begins with our souls, our homes, our churches, workplaces, associations, and communities. That's why I've stated that our vision is to be vital to the well-being of the community through Christian discipleship, also right after my service here began. Then Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few, Matthew 9, 27. Christian believers in this family of faith ought not to be obsessed with changing the minds of misguided professing Christians as, they, as, as much as they should be with seeking the least, the lost, and the uninformed. Certainly one should invest in sacred relationships with such persons, but fulfilling the local church's mission should not be bogged down in fruitless debates over long-standing differences. Rather, seek those whom you don't know, and take them to meet your Savior, like the Samaritan woman at the well in John 4. 
My task, however, as pastor, is to cultivate discipleship among the churched, professing Christians who have become so comfortable with their religion that they are like upper-class passengers on the Titanic. They will not know how much trouble they're in until it's too late. Some of you will join me in that specific circumstance, in that as specific circumstances demand. But most of the body should worship and serve the Lord as if they just can't help it, that's being disciples, while seeking those who are ripe for the harvest, that's seeking disciples. Christian believers who worship and serve within the framework of the UMC's denominational existence are rapidly approaching a crossroads at which they must make tough decisions. Whatever choices we make, we must rely upon our Lord Jesus Christ as master and king. We must pray, risk vulnerability, extend our faith and courage. After issuing the great commandment cited above, Jesus said this, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Matthew 28, 20.